0: to the Christmas edition of What We Just Watched from TV Cream. My name is Ian
1: I'm Graham and I'm
0: Chris and unlike in previous years we're doing something a little different.
1: For the first time we're all together and over the next three days we're all going to be showing each other a Christmassy show. And on today's edition I'm going first Chris and Ian are here. They're huddled around, and we're ready to watch. Um, it's the usual rules. It's something you're going to know instantly. Okay. Um, there's almost no need to even talk through the titles because I think it's something that everyone will know instantly and can picture. Okay. But we have to pay a regard to the process. <laughs> really? Yeah. So it's a format point. So right. okay, here we go.
2: Oh. Well, is there yeah. any, is
1: it the any need to sharing, say anything? No. no. Um, well, I heard oh. you sigh <laughs> Well,
0: I, it's because I didn't instantly associate this with Christmas So mm, I guess we're watching neither, episode
2: Neither did I But um, obviously we're watching the comic strip And we're just about to see Yes, there's the sausage on a fork The iconic sausage on a fork Absolutely
1: Okay, so we're going to
2: go away and watch this episode of Grange Hill for Christmas
1: By Phil Redmond We've just watched Grange Hill for Christmas, which aired on Monday the 28th of December 1981 at 5.20pm, following the evening news. Now, Chris, do
2: you know what followed Grange Hill for Christmas and the schedules? Well, I think I'm right in saying that it was the first and so far only episode of Canine and Company.
1: You are quite correct. Uh, Ian, what would you have rather watched out of those two? Blimey! Um. Or oh, Grange Hill. Grange Hill. Yes. But that's a pretty stellar lineup, isn't it, for, for for younger viewers? Don't you think? Was it
0: actually called Grange Hill for Christmas?
1: Yes, that's how was. it was filmed. Yes, that's how it was. I mean, it's not. It's one of these things where, uh, in the canon of Grange Hill, it's Grange Hill for Christmas, but there's no proof of that ever on screen. And did it follow on directly from a series? No, you know? no. And this is what was exciting about that uh, that episode, um, which is that the last series of Grange Hill would have finished in February. If you remember, Grange Hill normally came back in kind of late December. So this will be our first glimpse of the kind of the new look class for 82. Mm. We're getting them in 81. But Chris, (laughs) now when we were watching that episode, you mentioned that actually you... I mean, this is unfinished business for you, isn't it? Oh, uh,
2: absolutely. Uh, Because I I missed out on both this episode of Green Hill and Canine & Company. Because there was a transmitter failure at the Winter Hill transmitter. So, so you know, we were, we were faced with blank screens. I think I'm right in saying that both shows were eventually repeated on BBC Two in the North West at some bizarre time, like 11am on a Friday morning. So uh, I still didn't get to see uh, either of those episodes at the time. Can you remember, Chris, how long you were I, without I I, I, think it it, I, I think it was a good few hours, and, and, and they were the key hours.
1: Oh, no. The obvious question, I'll come to you first, Ian. Um, what did you make of uh, Grange Hill? I enjoyed it. Yeah.
0: Now, I suppose uh, I should say, first of all, that I don't remember seeing this. In fact, I think this may well have been the first time that I have seen this in its entirety. Because right. at this point, I wasn't quite old enough to be on board with Grange Hill. Mm. It was sort of, I knew it was around. I knew it existed. Mm. It was in the ether. Mm. But um, it would be a couple more years before I was fully fledged Viewer.
1: It's a rites of passage, isn't yes. it? Yes.
0: So I remember more about uh, the other Christmas-themed episode, yep. which was
1: a few years later, Yes, that that's right? right. It was mid-'80s, and okay. that was the one where Harriet the donkey arrived. Happy, happy
3: Christmas! Christmas! And a Happy
1: New Year! Nerd point, but I think it was the first one, also all shot on videotape as well. Chris, what did you make of the
4: episode? Well,
2: I really enjoyed it. Um, I think... With a lot of episodes of Grange hill from from this era when you when you watch them now, um, they can feel a little thin in terms of, of the plots and the storylines and and some of the acting but there 's definitely an energy that kind of that really kind of helps it sort of sail through it 's really enjoyable to watch, whether or not that 's just uh, because of the nostalgia i don 't know but but I definitely enjoyed watching it
0: one thing that struck me is yes it 's a very Thinly written episode, and I think we're going to come on to talk about yes. the the genesis of it, yes, um, but it's, it was certainly saved for me by the power of the characters, mm. and even though they are <laughs> taken together, they're a fairly rum bunch of, of, of characters, um, and there's not much to them, but add them all up collectively on screen, they do make for a very
2: fun 25 minutes. <laughs>
4: Have some idea
2: one thing i wanted to add is that i mentioned kind of nostalgia uh earlier uh this is very much a 25 minute time capsule of mm. 1981 mm. It? Mm. to see kind of 1980s cans of coke and and to hear kind of uh vienna by ultravox playing over the pa in a close shop, it really just kind of takes you back to those times um because it has been the case in other shows that we've watched and we've mentioned specifically
1: how they don't feel like they're of the time. Mm. Brain Chill is oh, absolutely. I mean that is 1981 Completely. in a Tupperware box <laughs> you can smell 1981 coming out of there can't you It's chat about video yeah.
2: recorders oh yeah and getting, get it, getting, oh, getting the X version of Alien yeah. out, or, out on video
1: the X version
2: yeah that's very stupid isn't it I won't let you in a flick to see but you can go out and buy it on video it's crazy and just some of the turns of phrase that they use used to one another like what so use you, of your legs or something
1: but there is one turn of phrase that I found very strange, and Ian, I wonder what your thought is on this is that Tucker refers to his older brother as our kid. Me and our kid we were watching the video. Now, to me, that's a scousism, isn't it? It doesn't yeah, sound like a northern. A t- and it's is, northern that, vernacular, is this isn't it? Phil Redmond uh, putting a little bit of regionalism yeah. into Grange Hill? Except
0: Phil Redmond always insisted, although there might be the, the retconning going on here, that Grange Hill was set in a non specific suburban.
1: It's in every school, yeah.
0: yeah. But yeah, that's definitely a bit of uh, northwest jargon creeping in
1: it's very strange that and but actually one of the appeals of watching it, and I certainly remember when I was a kid was that this is this is life in the, in the big city school isn't it Chris when you watch it it's a London school it's everything they get on a red London bus we're seeing the postcodes
2: you know on <laughs> yeah, the street signs. yeah yeah Oh, absolutely. And kind of certainly this era of Grange Hill, that was prior to me going to secondary school. So kind of, it's kind of it's kind of hugely entertaining, but with this kind of strain of fear and almost terror at kind of, you know, oh, there's going to be fights, you know, there's going to be people picking on you all the time. So you, there's this kind of double-edged sword with this era of Grange Hill. Kind of it's hugely entertaining, but also with this kind of residual fear. And, and I, I kind of still felt that watching it just now. That was something which
0: um, I remember... My parents telegraphing to me, not not explicitly, but, but they were always a little bit uneasy about me watching Grange Hill because, uh, certainly before I started secondary school, because they thought it portrayed a rather ambiguous picture of what life was like at big school. Yeah, And if you were of a particular frame of mind, and if you didn't really know enough about it, then you could take away from the programme... Very much a negative Mm. impression Carry that with you into secondary school
2: yourself Although perhaps we should say that one of the tenets of Grange Hill is that kind of eventually the baddies always get their comeuppance, that's don't true. they?
1: But it is a, it's a bit of a blooding, isn't it? When you're getting oh. to watch Grange Hill, it's sort of like a, it's a slight loss of innocence. And once you sit down in front of that oh, show, that's... you're learning something about the, not the grown-up <laughs> world, but the, the, the more advanced yeah. childhood world. Oh,
2: kind of the, 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 the tremors in your stomach you could, have, you, could have, you could have got from watching Grange Hill. It's It's unthinkable. <laughs>
1: So the idea for this episode had come from a Blue Peter competition. And
4: a bit later on, we'll be announcing a new important Grange Hill competition. So make sure you've got paper and pencil handy to take down all the details.
1: It was won by Paul Manning, who actually has a little cameo in there. as one of the Brookdale <laughs> ne'er-do-wells getting duffed up the by... The Brookie Duffer. Boys! His idea is basically that it's, uh, it's the end of term at Grange Hill and they're allowed to stage a disco and... Tucker borrows some disco equipment from his brother. He bring home stuff whenever he likes. I you know, sort of to try it out. Who's working at electrical wholesalers? Brookie boys gate crash the disco, try and steal the uh, petty cash. Uh, the cash. They get duffed up, and so in an audacious move, <laughs> they then try and steal the disco equipment. From the stage, <laughs> as in, well, in front of everyone. It's the disco! It is a thin story, there's almost nothing more to it than that. But one of the appeals about it is, as I mentioned to Ian, which was that the last time we would have seen anyone from Grange was back in February, so that is forever ago for that kind of target audience. Yeah. So this is like, it's just, it's an extra slice of Grange Hill. We've never seen the school at Christmas time because it's never been on air around that time. Uh, Ian, is that a reason enough to do a Grinchot Christmas special for this? Is is there enough of a treat in that? I think there would have been a lot of expectation. Yeah. Uh, Probably quite high
0: expectation about this episode, given what you just said, the fact that it hadn't been on for a long time and I'm assuming that it was trailed quite considerably on Blue Peter. Of course. Um, I think, yes, anticipation would have been very keen. And Christmas, you know, you, you expect something special a little bit more um everything associated with christmas has a frisson to it and that that goes for grange hill as much as anything else
2: i think also christmas is such a big part of the school year isn't it so it feels entirely logical to 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 kind of highlight that within grange hill Mm. it it would be kind of bizarre if they'd never done it
1: i don't know if it was the case for you. Certainly for me, I used to look forward to the the first trail for the new series of Grange Hill. The pupils and staff of Grange Hill
3: return to BBC One on Tuesday for the start of a new series. It's a new
1: term and a new year with a new approach from Mr. Smart. It's a big thing in our house when we saw Gonch had glasses. He was going to have glasses this term. They were tinted spectacles. But one of yeah. the things that I think is exciting about this Grange Hill uh, special, and one thing I, that took you by surprise, is it's the first look at the new hairdo. So you didn't even recognise Tricia Yates actually, did you? I,
2: I didn't. I, she's got a bit of a lady dye fringe yeah. sort of thing going on there. But yeah, it's a bit. It's a bit weird to see them all in their kind of their new guises.
1: There's a bit a sweet note to this in a way because um, this special is the last time that we really get Tucker and his gang front and centre. They are in the next series, it's yeah. their last one, but they've kind of, they're now too old really to be a focus on it, so it's a, it's a last hurrah for them. Um, and so for someone like Benny for example, he barely gets a look in, does he? It's, it's quite sad, but yeah. did you notice, um, Ian, that there's an evolution in the relationship between Tucker and the teachers, particularly uh uh, Mr Sutcliffe, where he's almost talking to them now as peers, isn't he? I
5: don't know. I only found out about it at the same time as you, remember? Bet drinks, sir. Is there going to be any booze? No, Watson. There never has been in the past, so why should there be this year? I just thought I'd ask, that's all. Well, you know what I thought, did. Now, uh, there was something. Oh, yeah, what about the music? Well, oh, we thought you were going to do your inner test bit again, sir. Uh-uh, I've retired. Isn't there a school group we could use?
0: Yes, that was something which I found really striking, but also very authentic. Yeah. Because I think that does happen, or it certainly did happen that when you got into the sixth form, um, your relationship with teachers changed, and they weren't your equals, but they were on they're on a level which was slightly more in reach, yes, you, you could talk to them and feel uh, more of an affinity with them, yeah to the extent that you could sort of banter with them and, yes. and josh, josh with them. So I thought that was very perceptive.
1: Yes, sir. How about hiring a
5: They're Only about 30 quid, didn't they? No, nah, more like 50. That's if you want to DJ and everything. I could do that. No, nah, 50 pounds sounds a lot. You get a lot
4: of sounds. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, I could do it,
2: this. Yeah, I think also the relationship between Mr Sutcliffe and Tucker. You can feel that Sutcliffe is basically using Tucker as almost a kind of emissary for the, for, for the kids, that he knows that he's the most popular kid and that he can bring the rest of the kids on side with whatever he needs them to do. Yeah. So Sutcliffe's got been lumbered with organising the school disco. Tucker's kind of quite keen to do it himself, so Sutcliffe knows that he can just sort of parlay that job onto Tucker and his gang. Um, So there's there's this kind of sort of... They're both kind of using each other, really, aren't they? That's kind of quite a nice dynamic.
1: And there's a nice uh, thing that I notice in, in that scene... Uh, Sutcliffe refers to him as Peter. No,
3: no, no, just a minute. This isn't going to be dishonest, is it,
1: Peter? And it's almost verboten to call him Peter, he's Tucker. And then at the end, <laughs> when they've duffed up the Brookdale boys, uh, Sooty's there with cans of pop for everyone, victory pop. <laughs> right,
3: Will we tonight. Alan. Tommy. And
1: that's and at that point he refers to Miss Tucker, which I thought was a lovely kind of acknowledgement of their, yeah. their almost become peers together. But of all the relationships I think in that episode that I enjoyed the most, I like Trisha and Kathy's relationship. Hey Trish,
4: what about this one? Well <sighs> this one.
1: <laughs> because it's entirely tutting and rolling
2: of eyes, isn't it, Chris, when you see them together? It's world-class droppiness, isn't yeah. it? It's amazing. It's
4: why my feet are wondering why they bothered coming.
2: I suppose in some ways it does kind of uh, sum up that kind of teenage resentment and, and willfulness that you get, but it does become a bit wearing after a while, doesn't it? You, you don't get anything more beyond that.
4: Look, you ain't much help, are you? With tastes like that, you're beyond help.
1: There, There is a discussion between Tricia and Cathy as well, which is a brief discussion, but where they're talking about private school education. It's not
4: her fault. She's born like that, probably. More than likely spent most of her life in one in private schools. I'd hate that. Just think, mixing with people exactly the same as yourself. like dimbo? Do you mean? You know what I mean. Look, well, just think how boring it would be if we didn't have the likes of cartels about it. I
2: did spot that a moment. It just seems—it just seemed to be kind of crowbarred into the script. There doesn't, there doesn't seem to be any reason for it except for you know Phil Redmond to sort of um, stick his oar in.
1: Uh, one thing that struck me, and uh, I wonder if you agree, Ian, is that. The teachers are uniformly excellent, the actors playing the teachers. They find bits of business in quite bland dialogue.
3: Come along, ladies. There's plenty still to be done. Plenty of time for gossiping later.
1: Mr Keating is very kind of fruity. Uh, Baxter, there's a wonderful bit where he asks for three volunteers and immediately tells <laughs> yeah, you the three... My yeah.
3: <laughs> the show's over. I want three volunteers. You, you and the other,
1: We're up here and tidy this, One thing that I'd always noticed with Grain Chill was it's a show about kids, but the adult cast were always credited first. Is that maybe why? Are they bringing more to it than the uh, young actors? Well,
0: I think, in retrospect, um, I... I appreciate the, the adult cast more than I did when I first watched it. Mm. I think when you see it when you are young and you're the same age as, as the children, obviously they are your point of reference and the teachers are slightly remote. They're on the fringes yeah. of your perception of the programme. Yeah. But watching that just now, I... have Enjoyed the scenes with the teachers I got much more out of them and I think I felt a much more affinity with the teachers yeah. than with the children yeah. and enjoyed those little quirks and little character touches which were there
2: Yeah I think all the teachers are really well drawn I mean they could very easily be archetypes, but I, I don't. I don't think they are. I think yeah. that. But I think they're very, very well drawn. You know, Mr. Sutcliffe and Miss Mooney are kind of the kind of idealistic young teachers who are who are, who are trying to steer the children onto the right path. Uh, Baxter obviously is, you know, the iconic Grange Hill teacher. Yeah. Uh, and as you mentioned before, he's got great comic timing. He kind of he kind of imbues every every little sort of gesture <laughs> with with his with his you know, with his character. So I would agree. In yeah, that the watching it now, you you appreciate the, the the characters of the teachers and the performances of the actors much more than you would have done when you were like ten or twelve. And there, are, there's about there's two or three scenes,
1: aren't there, where Baxter is invisible until he decides not to be. <laughs> What's <remember>? What's Bridget <laughs> Rabbit in
3: about? Keep quiet, pay attention. You might find out, Jenkins
5: and you
3: I
1: can only hope what that happened to the christmas to spirit where <laughs> he suddenly pops in so when tucker for example yeah. sneaks uh, yeah. into assembly yeah. Yeah. there's no sign of Baxter until something. he needs to be there and his head suddenly pops into sh- I mean he's brilliant isn't
2: he It's such a great gift and uh, and again that's, that's what a real teacher would do i don't know whether they got any sort of professional guidance on on how to be a teacher but but, but it, it it's, there's, there's there's great accuracy uh, and, and great realism to, to to the way the teachers perform in the show
0: I remember um, at school teachers were never there when you wanted them to be there and then when you didn't want to, them to be there they yeah. were <laughs> yes. and that, that's here in that's this episode Bagster, isn't it yeah. Yes,
1: yeah. I mean, it's been said that uh, as far as I'm aware this episode hasn't been repeated it certainly wasn't repeated during the, you know, the, the 90s yeah. rerun of Grange Hill and one of the theories is that it's a PRS problem because there's a lot of pop songs we hear in this Ian what's your sense of the use of uh, Cliff Richard's Miss Unites?
0: well I'm glad you mentioned this <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so out of place. It comes in the middle where it's in the disco and Tucker yes. is looking longingly uh, amongst all the dancers while they're, they're dancing to Baggy Trousers. Come and, tell you can't spend all night watching it. We'll never get off of anyone up here. Yeah, I'll hang on a bit longer.
0: Yeah, it's not immediately clear why we're suddenly hearing Miss Unites by Sir Cliff. Only at the end of that, when someone interrupts Tucker and sort of brings him out of his reverie, because yeah. it is a reverie <laughs> um, that you realise that it's all in his head. Thank dreaming again, Jenkins. What's your belly you, you be? It's jarring in a way, but it works because it's it's not of a piece with the rest of the surroundings. Yes, and therefore you. It calls attention to itself because of that.
2: Well, I just find that a bit weird because because it's not immediately obvious that it is in Tucker's head. So we cut from about 20 seconds of Baggy Trousers into Miss Unites by Cliff. So suddenly you think all the kids are dancing to this tender ballad. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, so it's kind of quite, quite jarring to kind of uh, belatedly realise, oh, it's all in Tucker's head. It's audacious, though. And... Uh, well, I wonder if one of the lessons that Phil Redman
1: learned from this that he took to Brookside was it's cheaper just to use stock music. But, Chris, I think that was maybe a bad decision on his part, doesn't it? Because, what I mean, hearing actual tracks yeah. really roots, gives it a reality, doesn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. I, I mentioned before that this is a 25-minute time capsule of 1981, so the music that we get in the disco is kind of, is, is, is it's top full of hits of 1981. But it also kind of summed up the kind of the slightly odd playlist that you might get at a school disco, because uh, labelled with love by Squeeze does not immediately strike me as, as something that the, that, the, that the kids are going to be bopping around to. Like the
3: cat, the oh. not a bad idea this disco thing, are Jenkins?
0: For a change. But it kind of rang true. Just following on from that, though, um, would you really describe them as bopping? I mean,
2: at best it's a, they shuffle, don't it's, they. it's a grim bop. I will give you <laughs> that. In it's, it's, it's a kind of sullen, reluctant brand of bopping.
1: Oh, violence
0: is pretty
2: full on and when they recognize one of the
1: Brookdale boys there is a remark about oh he's the one who used to use his belt when we were fighting him which I mean that's kind of bleak Do, what was your reaction to the violence in that Chris there's a lot of throttling going <laughs> on isn't
2: there well I think they managed to sort of sneak under the radar because um, one thing I noticed watching uh, this episode a lot of it is in the dark because yeah. we're in the disco and it's quite dark so I imagine they kind of used that to kind of smuggle in this you're right I mean it goes back to what I was saying about Kind of uh, about the expectations of big school that you got from Grange Hill. That kind of there would be kind of fights and you know punch ups and you know uh, and violence. You know kind of (laughs) almost on a daily basis.
0: Were there lots of complaints about Grange Hill in in these early days? Yeah, when it first started.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Some people really do hate that
5: program. They write to the BBC and ring and write to newspapers and even to their MPs but seven out of ten children still continue to watch Grange Hill.
0: Were they principally about the, the sort of the depiction of the children, the language and the stroppiness? And, and
2: I think the phrase that was always used about Grange Hill in the early days from its critics was bad influence.
5: No wonder today's
2: little terrors are growing up to be criminals. It's a bad influence yeah. on our kids. I was so
5: disgusted I switched it off and now my children are in tears.
0: But by this point, I suppose that had kind of died away, had it? because well, we were a few years into his life.
2: I imagine that those critics were still pretty unhappy about it. I mean, had they watched that episode and seen the throttling, they, 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 would, they would not have been pleased at all. I guess it's one of those things that kind of the, the, the fury just dies down, but it doesn't completely go away. The critics move on to something else.
1: But one of the things that struck me in, is that in the uh, the storyline proposal put forward by Paul Manning, the Blue Peter competition winner I mean his whole thing the whole crescendo of the, of the story is and it ends in a big fight as in this is kind of what kids want you know yes. it's a valid plot point that we well. want to see duffing up
0: <laughs> Agro! No! Mike, I think that there is a bit of knockabout violence to it. I, I imagine that they could, the BBC, had they been pressed on this, they could have perhaps justified it or sort of reeled out of it. say, well, it's Christmas, it's, it's, it's all exaggerated violence, uh, we don't see any blood, I don't think we no, see we any... No, we don't see any blood now. No. <laughs> and that would have been quite... <laughs> very uh, near the knuckle if we had. Um, you never get the feeling that there is... Real danger, or do you? I mean, it is—it is, it is a little bit.
1: It's kind of ominous. visceral, isn't it? It's not—it's um, not pretty, and it's no. not, not silly.
0: But I—I th- I felt watching it that I was reassured in part because I knew that the teachers were not very far away, okay. and we're <laughs> going to step in and sort it out, even though
2: they make a rather ham-fisted attempt at, at sorting it out.
3: Come on, come on, come on. Come on, oh. you,
2: get it. Come on oh. But it goes back to what I was saying earlier about kind of you know that the baddies will get their come up eventually. Yes.
1: And maybe the the whole justification for this, Chris, is that it's the one occasion where we see Tucker and Doyle fighting together, <laughs> not against each other. And do you think that might be how they would justify it? It's the
2: spirit of Christmas, here they are, brothers uh, yeah. in arms. <laughs> yeah, Duff, you know, throttling the brookie boys. I, I, there is that lovely moment where they kind of acknowledge that kind of, you know, it's, it's only a one-off. This is, this is a Christmas truce. It's like, it's like Christmas Day in during the First World War. Boy, it's only because it's Christmas, you know. Yeah,
1: same here. What I want to do now is I just want to show you to something additional, which is I want to show you the process that Blue Peter and Phil Redmond collectively went through when they were judging scripts. So we're going to have a little look uh, at their rationale for why they picked this as the winning. Um, entrance in the competition.
3: Well if you're a Grange Hill fan time to prick your ears up now because we've got the results of our Grange Hill competition. The
1: Blue Peter competition was launched on the 26th of February and then um, what we've just watched there is the results on the 16th of April.
4: And helping us to judge the competition was the BBC children's televisions head of children's programs and the producer of the next Grange Hill series and of course Phil who had the overall final casting vote because he's got to adapt the storyline into the script and uh, we're very delighted that Phil is with us today to help announce the winners. And
1: uh, Chris, there's a certain amount of due diligence has happened here, isn't it? And they get quite forensic, don't they, in terms of appraising the the ideas that were sent in.
3: Now, some of the, some of the children who wrote in let their imaginations really run riot, which was great. But the, the only problem was some of the situations the characters got themselves into were totally unpractical. So this was a problem for you, was it not?
2: I was quite struck about how negative Phil uh, was with uh, with Simon and Peter. They I were think kind Simon of Simon was. They, go- him a little they were pu- they were kind of pu- kept pulling apart all these all these proposals yeah. for um snow and accidents and you yeah, know it's very negative i remember you saying
5: the other night that some of the uh, storylines had been spoiled a bit because the good storylines have been spoiled because some of the people like uh, tucker and benny were asked to do things that were out of character
2: yes um unfortunately that was true i mean there was trem- some tremendous stories there um but we had sort of Stories coming in from kids saying, um, A pupil goes and does this, or A pupil goes and does that. And what we were actually after, of course, was the real Grange Hill fans who've watched every single episode for the past four years. They knew right? what the characters did, and that's right.
1: They
5: have there's a Yes.
1: There's a bit, there's a th- uh, a bit where. Um, Phil talks about a lot of the ideas involved foundling babies.
2: (laughs) And not a lot of them are equity members, of course.
1: Now, uh, Ian, what do you think the uh, Blue Peter entrance made of that? (laughs) They suddenly thought, oh, shit, Mum, I didn't think about (laughs) equity.
0: If only I'd checked the equity guidelines. I should have talked to the unions before... And, and, and uh, oh, you should have told me, Mum, that I had that this was going to be a deal breaker. I put all this effort into it.
1: They've made fools of themselves, and then uh, Simon points out that there was another uh, handful that ended with really gruesome accidents. Which, of course, as Phil was saying, would have been
3: desperately expensive to try and film.
2: <laughs> well, it's, it's nice. It's nice. He was he's a, he was a practical man, obviously coming from his agricultural background. <laughs> Simon Graham, you know, resplendent in his red kickers, I might add. Uh, but but you, but you know, kind of. You, you wanted more positivity from, from Simon and Peter.
1: It was, very, it was a very strange sequence. Now, they do go through all the certificate winners, the runners-up.
4: And the youngest entry out of the top prize winners was James Thomas, and he's from Weybridge in Surrey, and he's seven years old, and his storyline includes the Grange Hill boys and girls putting on a party from a local home. The second top-winning storyline is by Sarah
5: Lasky, who's aged nine. She comes from Hatfield and Hertfordshire and Sarah's idea was for all the
3: children to go to the pantomime Aladdin. The third storyline that wins in the tens and undergroup is this one by Leslie Smith, who's also age nine and who lives in Motherwell in Scotland. Tucker's Christmas Deed is the title, and it starts with Tucker's class out carol singing.
4: In the elevens and overage group, Joanna Pearson, age 15, of McGull near Liverpool, wins a top prize with a very intriguing idea. The school hall is made out of bounds and teachers from every form appear late for registration and disappear in the middle of lessons.
5: The fifth of our six top prize winners is Richie Phillips, aged 16, of Barclay in Gloucestershire. And his story, suggested storyline was that the tutors in Tucker's Group suggesting Operation Goodwill
3: to help the community. The last of the top prize-winning storylines is by another 16-year-old, Rachel Cummings, of Church Brampton in Northamptonshire, and old people feature in this idea as well. Which of those
0: would you like to <laughs> develop well, further? I'm definitely going for teachers disappear, sorry, tutors disappear.
2: Well, I like the idea of the old folks' home. I, I really have to mention at this point, we also heard about one of the runners-up.
5: Yes, here's one by five-year-old Rachel Grogan. It's called Grange Hill, Go to the Old Folks' Home. Starts off, they all go to the home and sing, the noise was terrible. And old granny puts her fingers in her ears and falls
1: off her rocking chair. I think
2: that's what we all wanted to see, surely.
1: You've been listening to what we just watched from TV Cream, in which we watched Grange Hill for Christmas, from Monday the 28th of December 1981. We'll be back tomorrow with Ian's choice of viewing, but for now, goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Bye.